Pacers roster now fully formed. What are some fun lineups they could use this year? One featuring defense, one featuring a lot of shooters, one featuring a ton of youth, and way more Tyler Smith. And I'll dive into it all today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, happy Monday and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name is Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI and today we're diving into some lineups, looking at some five-man groups that could be fun or unique for the Pacers to deploy this year that could give them an element of something fresh or different or just plain old fun, right? One of them, we dive into a good shooting group. One of them, full of defense, and plenty more on today's show. Tyler Smith, who covers the Pacers for Indy Sports Legends and IU and the Cubs, is going to join us to break it all down. And I do this every year, and with the new-look Pacers, new players in, there's some new combinations that make sense for the team to be more threatening in certain ways. We dive into all of it today with Tyler. Let's just get right to it. One of my favorite shows to do every single offseason. It's the lineups I'm excited to see this year, and a fun way to do it is adding in the new players. That's what makes all the juice here. Seeing how the new additions mostly can squeeze into some old lineups or seeing how the new look youth can make something happen. It's fun to dig into what the Pacers could do now that they couldn't do last year and what it will look like on the floor. And joining me to do it this year, you've read them all over the place. You've heard them here before. It's Tyler Smith from Indie Sports Legends. Tyler, how you doing, man? What's up, Tony? Good to be back. I'm getting close to September here, so uh, thinking of... Training camp, media day, kind of turn the calendar, turn the page to a new season. I'm excited. Well, have you mentally prepped yet? In my head, September, I'm like, it's time to get going. We don't have, we don't have anything till October this year. We got the oh, whole yeah. month off. Yeah, that's true. That is that is going to be a little different. The internal clock is screaming that uh, media day is coming up, but we still got a little while. Fans don't care, but if me, it's going to be weird. <laughs> For me personally, it's going to be weird. When we get to the end of September, I'm like, wait, I still have to do anything yet? Like, okay. Um, this is always just fun, wacky stuff. Pick five players, see if they fit, or uh, th- make a theme and see if it sticks. And I like to go thematically, because otherwise I'd just be like, let's see, uh, five big men. Like, yeah, that would be funny to see, but not practical at all. I like to build it out from a theme. So I will start, Tyler, with one lineup I'm looking forward to seeing. And I think this one could happen, uh, actually, realistically. And that is a defensive focus group, both because, let's say, it's they're up, whatever, 109, 108 with five seconds left, and they're playing defense. I'd imagine you see something like this group. Or this group could actually like make sense because they have a player at each spot who's a credibly good defender, which they did not have last year. And that five-man lineup is Andrew Nemhart at the one, Bruce Brown at the two, Aaron Neesmith at the three, Jarris Walker at the four, and Miles Turner at the five. Given how awful they were on defense last year and the year before, 30th from the All-Star break to the end of the season, both the last two years defensively, Having a five-man lineup with each player at their correct position that all, I mean, Jairus could be a poor defender. He's a rookie. But on paper, could be plus defenders. That's the first time they've had that since Thad, Miles, uh, Vic. (laughs) I don't even know if they ever had that in that era. Like, it's been a while. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, the flexibility that that Carlisle's going to have this year is going to be pretty amazing. There's going to be probably, it's going to be a challenge. It's a good problem to have, but. You know, how many guys are going to be deserving of minutes um, and uh, maybe out of rotation certain nights. But, yeah, if I was thinking all defense, that's probably the exact five I would use. I think Walker is going to be able to hold his own small lineups, big lineups, and that's going to be important. Um, You know, I guess the only 
edit you could possibly make depending on the the other matchup is add another wing and maybe Neesmith guards a stretch four late in the game or something like that. But I really do like Walker's ability on the defensive end. And uh, so, yeah, I'd probably go with that exact five. Yeah, I I actually thought about Halliburton funnily enough, not because he's a good on-ball defender yet. He knows he needs to get better there. He's talked about bulking up, but his team defense is awesome. He reads the game really well. So theoretically, if you could stick an E. Smith and Nemhart on the best two on-ball guys and just have Bruce Brown and Tyrese Halliburton run around like crazy people, that would be in a lineup like you just said where E. Smith could contain a four. Yeah, that would also work. But I think that five that I just laid out would be like, you need to stop some the team. <laughs> Whoever has the ball could be a threat. That's the five that has the best chance of actually stopping the guys in front of them. Uh, I think actually the best offensive five they've had since I covered the team would be Brogdon, Depot, Warren, Sabonis Turner and Sabonis was not he was always out of position but that was the closest they got probably right to like plus oh I guess Brissett played with that group sometimes that's probably the closest they've gotten right so I don't think we'll see this unit like a lot or like every game or anything maybe we will because it's everybody's in their natural position but it's still like they have this up their sleeve and that's something they haven't had in a while and I'll be interested to see how Carlisle uses it if at all if it's just something he says this is situational or if it's like yeah we can use this for five minutes and maybe this gets by offensively too and I think a big thing that we'll be watching as well is does TJ McConnell still get minutes as the backup one or do they view Nimhard as the yeah. main backup one combo guard and if that's the case you can see a handful of minutes where you know that lineup is in there some starters are coming back in you know Halliburton's getting a break and, and Nimhard's you know still in at the one um, yeah, I'm also intrigued to see, you know, at times last year, Carlisle would kind of let a lineup flow. Um, we're not really, we weren't really used to that with previous coaches, but he'd let some lineups kind of stick it, stick and flow if they're going well. So, um, that, that could be fun to watch. Yeah. And if Jarris is not ready to defend as a rookie, then okay. McConnell, Nemhard, Brown, Neesmith is your, is your first four and you'll get a little bit of lost size there, but that still fits the premise. Bruce Brown's addition specifically makes this possible in a way that they haven't had in a while, obviously, Miles Turner is going to be in any defensive five that this team has. All right, Tyler, give me your first lineup you're excited to see this season. So my first one, and, and fans may think this is completely cheating because this actually has a chance to be one of the five uh, that is you know playing the most. But my theme behind it, the thing I'm most excited about is the transition so my all transition team, okay. Uh, Pacer fans can buckle up for a team that runs even more than last year. And, and last year, by a lot of metrics, they were the top team in transition in the NBA. So if you're talking frequency and total points and points per possession, obviously Halliburton leading the charge. But so what do they do? They go out and they add two more guys who are top. You know, they got uh, right now the top three guys. I'm sure a lot of fans have seen that stat. The top three guys in effective field goal percentage in transition the last two years. Toppin, number one, Halliburton, number two, Brown Jr., number three. So, obviously, those three guys will be in there. Um, love to see uh, Buddy Heald with his ability to shoot in transition. You could make the case that, you know, Matherin uh, will be in there and, uh, you know, for alley-oops and also can spread the floor a little bit. And then, uh, um, you know, going with Miles. So, obviously, you know, my my five, Halliburton, Heald, Brown, Top, and Turner, that could actually end up being the starting five. We're playing a lot of minutes together, but – um, I, I lean healed slightly over Matherin because he can sprint, knock down the shot. Um, but I think, again, one of the things that's great about the Pacers this year is whoever starts at the four, maybe they go a combo where it's like 
Walker Toppin, and, and there's always one of those guys in there. And so I think both guys are going to be good, good to great in transition. So yep. um, it's going to make the, the transition game even better than last year, which is hard to imagine. But, you know, Pacer fans can buckle up for a team that's going to run and gun. Yeah, the thing the, the thing about that group that's exciting to me is not only will it be I mean uh, they'll they'll get a stop and like <laughs> one guy might go for the rebound, which could be a problem, but but they're going to be running. Um is they they could be a decent half court unit too because Heald can shoot, Bruce Brown's smart, Obi is a decent enough shooter and smart enough. When we saw what Turner could do with Halburn last year, like that lineup if you told me had like a 117 plus offensive rating this year, I'd be like Yep, makes sense to me. Like that is totally on the table as a group that just scores a billion points and is amazing in transition, especially when Halliburton has the ball and all these other heady, smart guys who are quick and can finish. Like Bruce Brown shot over 80% from zero to three feet last year. That's bananas. Toppin, obviously, against the Pacers, has made every dunk and layup he's ever taken. So they're gonna look they're gonna look awesome next to him. And I think he holds probably the better choice than Mather, and I agree with you there for the transition effect like you can't just run to the rim as a defensive team because he could be open yeah i mean that i i and they hit they hit 119 with some goofy lineups last year like they're that that fives offensive rating could just be insane yeah for sure and little tweaks here and there depending on who's hot and who's not but you know another thing i'm really intrigued by is i was talking to a pacer scout recently and they're they're very high on shepherd as far as like obviously the shooting they said has buddy heel level potential and they think he's a rotation guy right away if there's a, if there's minutes for him, um, which may be a challenge. But they actually were really high at least a couple months ago on his defense. So, so yeah, I'm looking both the, your lineup and mine, the defensive side, the transition side. If there's a place for him, you know, if nothing else, they got him in their back pocket in case somebody gets hurt. Yeah, I'll be intrigued to see what he can do right away. Like he, he definitely is a better half court player to me right now, especially coming off of screens and all that. But he could be something. Okay. NBA.com's data last year, their most played lineup uh, had an offensive rating of 118.7. So how much does this lineup, I think it'd go, I think it could go over that. I think it could reach 119, 120 range, which is insane. <laughs> yeah. And even if they're, you know, kind of matching last year or going a little higher as far as like the, the frequency of the, the fast break, it was number one. So it's not like you can, um, it's not like it's a bad thing if you're kind of evening out and especially if you're slowing the game down, um, and, uh, and playing better defensively. So I think they'll go higher, but, uh, you know, should be a top top team in the NBA as far as points per possession and uh, ability and, honestly, entertainment for fans. <laughs> the Showtime Pacers. Yes. We're pointing it here. <laughs> it's been a 30-year gap since the Showtime team. They're back. <laughs> hey, guys, quick little break so I can talk to you about the great people over at FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. That's nice. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. What a deal. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. Their app is super easy to use. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more all on FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. Remember, $200 in bonus bets and $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. FanDuel an official partner of the NFL. How about I go uh, a different but similar theme of an offensive style that I think is going to be interesting. And we might bring up a player that you just said, and that is the best five shooters altogether. The thing about this, like the defense one that's interesting to me is 
Like, it's not like their five shooters are just like all six, five and under guys that it would not make sense as an actual lineup. Like they could put a five man lineup out there of shooters that makes sense as a team. And like, is it something you could run for five minutes in a row? Tyrese Halberton self creates and shoots 40% from deep. Buddy Heald's one of the best shooters in the league. Jordan Wara couldn't miss with the Pacers last year. Shot over 42%. Turner hit 38%. I, I can't remember his exact percentage. Something like that last year. And then Ben Shepard, we just talked about, uh, can shoot it. Obi Toppin was about at 35% last year. Like They have ways to get lethal shooting fives out there. So you could bump Wara down to the three uh, and heal down to the two and kick Shepard out and put Toppin in or do what I just said. And then everybody's kind of at their natural spot, but you're sacrificing more on defense. Either way, that's five like good to very good shooters all in one lineup. And a lot of them can create it a little bit themselves with like a one or two dribble move. That is potentially very lethal. Although uh, I don't think that group would be the best on the defensive end of the floor. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see it. How many times last year where we're, you know, there's a timeout Pacers down three, they got to have a three late. Um, didn't have the best results most of the time with that. I mean, that's a tough play from side out, you know, trying, you know, obviously the, Opposing team knows you need need a three, so they're switching everything. But um, the great thing, too, and we've mentioned it, we'll probably mention it again, about how many guys in this roster can fill certain positions. You name five, and I'm thinking of two or three other guys that could absolutely fit in the all-shooting uh, five for this team. So that's a luxury for Carlisle. Um, I think, you know, this year when you're talking about, like, how Carlisle's going to balance all these lineups, but specifically I was thinking of Wara and – and Neesmith, you know, for those guys that may honestly come down to how their summers have looked, you know, how much they've worked. Um, they both are deserving of minutes, but, you know, are they kind of in the, the crossfire with each other or some others in, in, in terms of playing time? But, yeah, what a luxury to have four or five guys at a time, not just in today's NBA, but, you know, really high percentages on the court at once. Yeah, Nemhard was a decent shooter last year. He didn't make it. We've seen stretches where – Matherin and Jalen Smith were good shooters. I don't know what they are yet. I think we have enough evidence to say Smith's probably not that guy that he was for that one stretch. But Matherin only played one year. We don't know. Like they could have legitimately several lineups. So you're like, oh, this group can shoot the F out of it. Um, here's just some number, a number for you. They only had one. They, this, this is a lineup they had last year with Halliburton, who I have in this, Wara, Heald, and Turner, all I have in this. So basically without Toppin. Or Shepard, the new guys. Instead, it had Nambarn in it. So that's probably their best five shooting lineup last year, right? Would you say so? Yeah, I think so. I guess McConnell technically, because <laughs> of his percentage, but he didn't take it up, right? <laughs> so that five-man unit I just said, to repeat, it's Halliburton, Nemhard, Heald, Wara, Turner. They played 30 minutes together. We're talking a very small sample. That said, 75 points on 60 possessions. That's 125 offensive rating. <laughs> like That's insane. And they have more shooters now. And some of those young guys could be even better. Now we're talking about a really small sample, but the funny thing is about that group, they didn't shoot that well. They were seven for 22 from deep. That's 31.8%. They were awesome from two because they had so much spacing. They shot 68.6% on twos. So maybe Shepard's not there yet as a rookie, but Toppin certainly is as an inside the arc guy. Like that group could just space out so well. And if they have Halbert in there, they could score from anywhere. They could just be insanely efficient on offense. And again, I don't think this is a five man unit. You can run like 10, 15 minutes a game because we saw last year that a group like this probably can't defend very well. But, man, if you need points in a hurry or you're down eight late in a game, I think this group could do some damage. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I think um, some more, you know, 132 to 128 finals. And, uh, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I wonder how much the the 
coaching staff, the analytics department or whatever, how much they're going to be looking at those kind of numbers that, I mean, those numbers definitely surprised me. Um, I would think they would just shoot the lights out uh, for those numbers, but yeah, I also think it's, this is a team where, you know, shooting can be contagious. So some of those guys that even are maybe typically lower, you know, it's a, it's a, a field game. So if everybody's knocking them down, you know, we could see some really special nights at the field house where, you know, you're talking some record breaking uh, three point nights once again. And Halliburton just makes them easier for everybody, right? So <laughs> a lot of wide open threes. Yeah. What was my joke score for the defense lineup? A 109, 108 game. Yeah. It's going to be 119, 118. <laughs> let's, bump, let's bump that up a little bit <laughs> to yeah. be more in line with, with what this Pacers team could be. All right, Tyler, your fun lineup number two. You want to see this season? So I guess I'm going to call it the youngins lineup, or I was thinking of uh, the 23 and under lineup, um, which I was looking and Wow. Can we get that low? We can. Okay. I think that the Pacers actually have eight guys that oh, could wow. fit and, uh, and war is 24. So there's so many guys that could fit in that, but uh, the lineup I was thinking Halliburton and Nimhard, Shepard, Matherin Walker, it's a really small lineup. So it depends wow. on the matchups of course, but um, so maybe you, you flip it and you put like a Jackson at the five and slide everybody down and maybe take, you know, Shepard out as uh, I know you can't really do a six man and a five man uh, lineup, but, um, I think there is honestly a good chance of seeing, you know, iterations of this 23 and under throughout the season. And I think it's just going to be a ton of fun because Pacers fans, I think, have, have been through quite a bit over the years. And to have not only a pretty decent squad, but a team that's fun and a team that actually has direction. So the last couple of years, there's finally been a direction. And the fact that you can put out lots of these lineups of that guy's 23, that guy's 19, that guy's 21. Um, would be a lot of fun to see. And uh, again, I think there's eight that would fit into that. They do have a lot. My, my last lineup's also similar in terms. I think actually you said most of the five players in it um, in terms of it being youth centric. But the thing that's interesting, about, I'll, I'll say mine later. The thing that's interesting about this is it's like usually when I, I do one of these, like every summer, I'm like, they, they could put out this young five and explore what it looks like and see how it grows in the future and all this stuff. And we could talk about last year's youth group in a second, but like it's actually a good like part of the rotation. Like it's not like it's a it's a lineup that you're playing to see how it looks and if you can explore in the future. It's like, oh, <laughs> this is five guys that will likely or potentially will be in our 10-man rotation this year anyway. Like it's not like it's a play for the future. If you have Halbert, Nemhard, Matherin, Walker in there, that's a play for now. <laughs> it just so happens that, that group is also 23 and under, which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So we'll see what happens, but I think Obviously, a lot of those guys are mainstays in rotation. The other guys have a good shot. So any kind of, uh, and again, blowout nights or nights when uh, there's a couple guys that are down, load management, whatever it is. You don't need a ton of that for 23-year-olds. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's going to be fun to see them mixing and matching. No more of that. No more of that word in August. <laughs> we can't <laughs> be talking about load management. So, yeah, Halbert's got to recover from, from FIBA play, right? That's how this works. Okay, uh, just to throw it in. Four of Matherin, Halbert, and Neesmith, Nemhard. So that was four of their young core together. 91 minutes with all four of those guys together on the floor last year. Uh, you could throw in other bigs, but I think Turner, Ty- okay, they had one group. They had one group where they played that four with Jalen Smith for five minutes, and they had another group where they played that four with Isaiah Jackson also for five minutes. So not like a, they had like 10 minutes where it was fully youth, and then the other 81 minutes were with one of Turner or Tice, which is a little older. But they explored it last year. They did try it. It went pretty well, actually. Only minus nine in those 91 minutes. That's not good, but 
It's like minus four points a game. That's fine. Their offensive rating appears to be bananas. I have to type this into a calculator to give you the exact number, but 228 points, 185 possessions. Like that's what I'm talking about. That's good. There, there's evidence that like this five from last year, even without even adding in Jarris Walker, Ben Shepard, even Obi's young. He's not 24, but like they have youth lineups that are not about the future. It's about like, oh, we can throw a 23 and under lineup out there and be credible right now, which is nuts because I don't think of the Pacers that way. I don't think many think of them as a team that's like building for the future. It's like they're going to be putting out lineups to win games right now, which sort of influences how I think of their starting five. But they could put to like if they get to 60 games and they've had an awful year and they're like 24 and 36 or something, great. They pivot to a 23 and under lineup and it's still a good group that can accomplish two goals at once, which I think is always good for teams. Yeah, they should have a chance every night. And I think this group, you know, last year, of course, the players are going to say it, but I don't think the franchise was really thinking, you know, playoffs or bust by any means. They were looking yeah. for the future. This year, I think you bring in, you know, Brown and and, uh, and Toppin, and you got um, just, again, we're talking like how many guys have we even mentioned that could be in the rotation. Um, they're going to be able to withstand some injuries and, you know, the long – it's a long season. Now you got the play-in or the, you know, the tournament in season – um, so there's a lot to deal with, a lot to manage. And when you got that many bodies and that many youthful bodies, uh, you got a chance to really make some noise. My third lineup, like I said, was very similar to yours. It is entirely youth-based. It does not have uh, Miles Turner in there at all. It was Halbert, Nemhard, Matherin, Walker, and Jackson. So all guys uh, on rookie deals, or in Nemhard's case, a, a rookie deal adjacent, <laughs> um, who are, will presumably be with the Pacers for a long time and have the crutch of restricted free agency behind them. That's why Wara, I did not include there. Jalen Smith's young enough. He doesn't have restricted free agency in there. Shepard's young enough and does, but can only have five guys in the lineup. Like you said, we can't have six men in here. So like that group could theoretically be together for a very long time. We've already talked about the pros of it and cons of it, I suppose. Um, what do you make of, just because I brought both of them up, in terms of youth and effectiveness and how they'll manage it for lineups, what do you think of how, what they'll do with uh, Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith this year and how they'll kind of approach that? Because in theory, if on opening night they come in, like they've had a lot of players say on the record, we want to make the playoffs this year. Like Daniel Tice is probably better than both of them, right? But there is a line of like, he's clearly not in your future plans, but he mm -hmm. is better. Like, how do you think they toe the line of choosing both which young backup center to play and which backup center to play at all? Yeah, that was one of my only beefs with last year, I guess, you know, that stretch of games. Um, Tice is playing. Actually, it wasn't just him playing. It was more the fact that Ijax and, and Smith, they were either both out or maybe one was getting some minutes. And I was looking at the, the rest of the schedule thinking, like, the Pacers really need to know what they have in these two guys because I see probably only one of the two, more, you know, most likely is going to be a rotational player. Obviously, injuries and everything, you want you want your guys to be available um, but I think more likely Jackson probably has the upper hand. So I, I've been trying to think of scenarios where, you know, Smith would be in the rotation at the beginning of the year. Um, we don't see everything that goes behind the scenes. There could be, you know, guys that really uh, pop off in the summer and, and beef up or, or change or work on something and they come and they impress everybody. And, and that, you know, that changes things um, and, you know, the practice months there, but, I don't know. I think Jackson probably. Um, and then if he can stay on the court, he's got a good shot to be the backup five. And uh, yeah, I'd be surprised though, if, if both have heavy minutes, at least at the same time, as far as uh, in the rotation. It, it, last year and even before free agency this year, like part of what 
you could squint and talk about with them or think about is like they tried Jalen Smith at the four, right? They started in there for a third of the season. And when they drafted Isaiah Jackson, you were there, right? Kevin Pritchard said, we think he could play the four and the five. And so last year, and they didn't have a lot of four depth and even really entering the summer, it's like, okay, maybe if they want to try to develop both next year, if they have to, they can play the four. And then Jordan War was awesome. And they drafted Jarris Walker and they signed or signed. They traded for Obi Toppin. And now those four minutes, boop, no, that's not happening. There's no way. There's just not room for it at all. Like Jordan Wara might not play. And he was good for them last year and is young. So now they're resigned to just center. So you have to pick. There's no more. I mean, they barely played together anyway, but there's no more dancing around with them together. So I'll be very curious. Like, I mean, none of us are going to, neither of us are going to put Tyson lineups for this exercise, I don't think. But I'll be curious how they decide that because I can see an argument for playing Tyson on day one. I really can. And like, I've been watching the World Cup, like he's finishing out hoops and making some nice spry plays. But at the same time, they are a younger team. They have to think about their future. And I think they should be playing one of the young bigs. The question is which one and what they value because the transition team and the team that needs a switchy defender would say Isaiah Jackson, but Jalen Smith might be the team's best rebounder. And if that shooting returns from two years ago, he's definitely more valuable. So I'll be curious how they handle that. But that is not. We just had a similar lineup, so we had to talk about something else. That is something I'm curious about for the team this year. Yeah, that is interesting that last year that was, you know, again, an, an issue I had towards the end of the year. This year, though, with the different uh, different goals, I think they want to make the playoffs. And so I would be kind of from the standpoint of if Tice is healthy and looking better than the other two, the way they've kind of balanced out the rest of the roster, you know, I wouldn't feel as bad if, you know, if he's the backup five and playing well because they're really trying to, rack up wins, you know, compared to the last, you know, year and a half or so. So, uh, yeah, I'd feel differently if he was getting minutes. Of course, I'd prefer the youth still, but, you know, he's still around. So if he has a good offseason, it's healthy. We'll see what happens. Do you like a mind-blowing stat before your last lineup? Yes. It's not even mind-blowing. That's a stretch. All right. We've had 285 minutes of overlap between Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith since they acquired Jalen Smith at the 2022 trade deadline. This isn't mind-blowing, I say it, but this surprised me. That is actually... They are plus 39 in those minutes. I would never have guessed the Pacers won those minutes. Like, they actually went okay. That surprised me. They didn't do it that much. It's not a thing that happened. Interesting. That is. The the most used lineup with both of them uh, is 40 minutes. So we're not talking about, like, a big sample or anything, but um, they can't go to those as much anymore because of what they did this summer. All right, your last five-man unit you're looking forward to seeing this season. Well, I was kind of torn between a couple things, um, making a prediction on who I think the who will end up being the most efficient five, but that's not as fun probably. Um, <laughs> okay. So we we're, were talking beforehand about maybe the all-fun lineup. And so, you know, you talk me into to Ajax with the lob, so I'm going to go Ajax yes. and Toppin. Um, Matherin, which I think a lot of people are going to just picture Matherin how he was last year. I really think he's going to take a leap forward this year. And uh, he was a pretty good player anyway, but if he takes a leap forward – um, he's a fun player and get to the rim with the best of them. Halliburton, of course. And then for that fifth one, though, I'm really kind of torn. Uh, you know, another lob threat, another shooter. Um, I really, you know, enjoy the minutes of Halliburton and, and Nimhard, um, especially some of those games when when Nimhard was uh, kind of turned loose. You know, obviously some of those Halliburton wasn't there, but maybe I lean him, but I don't know. Maybe help me out on who the who the fifth one would be for the all fun lineup. <laughs> Okay, a couple options. Um, TJ McConnell for general silliness. I don't know if that's the exact brand of fun you're going for. Um, correct me if I'm r- wrong. I might be missing one. Aaron Neesmith probably had their best dunk of the season last year, right? That that dunk yeah. against the Cavs. So like he's got some he's got some hops in there. Yeah. 
He's a good answer. Bruce Brown also is just fun. Like he just like he plays really well and does a lot of fun things. Um, so those are the three I'd probably choose to decide. Like j- to me, if you're gonna go all fun and like I'm thinking of highlights basically. So mm-hmm. Ijax is in there, Toppin's in there, Halberton's in there. I will say that the never... field house, the field house is really electric, not just with the dunks, but when they're hitting a bunch of threes and going I'm on. I was gonna say you know, Buddy might be a, an underrated sneaky pick. Gosh, like yeah. the whole team is, just, is a good pick. <laughs> Basically, everybody who's not a rookie is like a decent pick for this exercise. It's nice for us to know that if some guys are out, that we're still going to yeah. the stadium with like there's still going to be a, a fun, entertaining lineup possible in this game you even put together a lot of your like yawn boring <laughs> like that maybe you could i think it'd be hard yeah that that's possible i mean to me too like i would even say that these are unathletic players but like in general halberton plus like any four is gonna be kind of fun <laughs> like mm-hmm. a lot of the time like they're gonna yeah. either get open threes or have the chance for lobs the thing that will make the pacers really fun just to kind of add to the steam if they can just up their defense from 27th to like 21st, just get a few more stops every game to get into transition, that will not only make them better, which is fun, but let them play the fun style more often. So I kind of feel like I'm going with Bruce Brown because that would blend his highlight potential with his defense in a way that would bring that lineup together. Yeah, and you got to think that's possible too, not just with the addition of Brown, but the fact that you know, you know Halliburton's putting in work to at least improve a little bit. Matherin, some of those young guys in year two, year three, um, especially, you know, knowing the coaching system and um, got to keep Turner healthy. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's very doable to get kind of a little more middle pack of the NBA. If you gave me, uh, I did this already, but if you gave me an over under for their rating, like their ranking, sorry, for defensive rating, I'd probably tell to take the over on 20. Like I know they'll get out of the bottom 10, but. Even, again, a climb from 27th to 21st is like a two or three points per 100 possessions jump, which is significant both because of the result and because of what it allows you to do. The fun part about putting together these lineups, Tyler, is that there was like infinite options, basically. That's kind of what we just ran through, the fun stuff, where it's like they'll just fit together well. They've got depth at every spot, and like some guys won't play. That does suck, but they've got a good enough team and a a deep enough group that it's going to be a lot of really fun lineups that, you know, last year that was definitely the case, but has not been a theme for the Pacers in, in our time covering them for a while. So that'll be really exciting to to dive into this year. Yeah, and I also think that it's a it's a good group of guys that wants to win. So I don't foresee – I've had some fans ask me this. Do you foresee any problems, any issues with playing time and, and you know guys out of the rotation? Obviously, there may be some behind closed doors. I don't see much of that getting out in the public. And, and uh, yeah, I think it's a good group that – pulls for each other, wants to win. There's not like a ton of, you know, big looming contract situations. There's a couple, but, you know, not like a team full of those. Um, so, yeah, I uh, and in some ways you you kind of envy Carlisle and, and the coaching staff with uh, the optionality, as, Ke- you know, Kevin Pritchard would put it. Um, <laughs> yes. and other times you're like, man, I'd be losing sleep every night trying to figure out how do we uh, get the most out of this group and also keep everybody happy. My answer to that that question you just brought up is usually like, yeah, everybody wants to play. Like everybody who doesn't play wants to play. So like there's always a little bit of, well, I don't even know what the right word is, but like yeah. you, you, the hope if you are a GM or a coach or whatever, is that everybody's O'Shea Brissett and like, yeah, they want to play, but when they're not, they're still like rah, rah, heck yeah, go team. Love these guys. 
and they don't pout. And if they don't pout, then great. The camaraderie will be great like it was for the Pacers last year. I don't think they will have any, I don't know what they're fun suckers for lack of a better term, but you never know when this, uh, when this much money is at stake and your career is on the line, what it could lead to. But I like you don't foresee anything dramatic coming from that. This was fun. Listeners. If you think we said something dumb, you can tweet at me at Tyler Smith underscore ISL and not my Twitter account. Make all the complaints go to Tyler or tweet at both of us. I'm on Twitter, whatever it's called at Tony R East and give me your fun five man lineups or comment down below on YouTube. Tyler, I already said where you're at on Twitter, but where can people find you and your work covering the Pacers, the Cubs, the Hoosiers? And what else did I miss? Anything? Purdue sometimes. Uh, no, Purdue. Not for me, but okay, good, got, good. some people cover them. But yeah, IndieSportsLegends.com. <laughs> Uh, general reviews, Jr. underscore sports, I think on Twitter X or whatever it is. And, uh, also Cub- Cubbies on tap. I've been doing some stuff for the Cubs. So a lot of fun stuff. Uh, I disagree on the Cubs being fun, but we can, <laughs> we can talk about that a different day as they chase my Phillies in the wild card standings. We'll see where that ends up as this week progresses. We're talking about uh book club, book club. Number two is coming this week. Uh, player interview. Number two, Knock on wood, because this did fall through with this exact player earlier this month, should be happening later this week, and some other fun Pacers topics that I'm looking forward to diving into. Thank you all for listening today. Have a great day. We'll see you soon.